Peace, grace, this is Pastor Colton Lott from First Christian Church, Disciples of Christ, El Reno. We have the privilege of building Christian community in El Reno for the world. And so if you care about building Christian community or El Reno or the world, we're glad you're listening to this podcast. If you want to help contribute to the gospel work of this congregation, please visit our website, fcclreno.org, and go to the Give Online tab. And now, here's the sermon for the week. Hear these words from Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. Therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have obtained access to this grace in which we stand, and we boast in our hope of sharing the glory of God. And not only that, but we also boast in our afflictions, knowing that affliction produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, but God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. Indeed, rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for Perhaps for a good person, someone might actually dare to die. But God proves his love for us in that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Much more surely, therefore, since we have now been justified by his blood, we will be saved through him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more surely, having been reconciled, we will be saved by his life. But more than that, we will even boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now reconciled, received reconciliation. May God add blessings to the readings of these words in every time and in every place. Would you pray with me? Help these words, holy God, to reflect you and your hope in your saving love. Speak through me in spite of me so that we might all experience something holy, something good, something true. Amen. The internet is not, af- is not a place I often go for good surprises, but a few weeks ago, a five-year-old clip popped up for me And some of the wisest, deepest hope came from where I would stereotypically expect cynicism, which is an interview between a television journalist and a or a television comedian and a national journalist. Uh, That you have learned to, in your words, love the thing that I most wish had not happened. I remember you went on. You went on to say, uh, "What what punishments of God are not gifts?" Do you really believe that? Yes. It's a gift to exist. It's a gift to exist, and with existence comes suffering. There's no escaping that. And I guess I'm either a Catholic or a Buddhist when I say those <laughs> things because I've heard those from from both traditions. But I didn't learn it that I was grateful for the thing I most wish hadn't happened is that I realized it. 
mm-hmm. is that, and it's a, it's an odd, oddly guilty feeling. It, it doesn't mean you. I don't are want. Happy I don't want it to have happened. I want it to not have happened. Right. But if you are grateful for your life, which I think is a positive thing to do, um, yeah. not everybody is, right. and not, I'm not always. Um, but it's the most positive thing to do, then you have to be grateful for all of it. You, you can't pick and choose what you're grateful for. And then, so what do you get from loss? You get awareness of other people's loss. Well, that's true. Empathy. Which allows you to connect with that other person. Right. Which allows you to love more deeply and to understand what it's like to be a human being, if it's true that all humans suffer. Right. And so... Whether or not you appreciate Stephen Colbert's humor or Anderson Cooper's reporting, I hope you'll linger with me over this wise conversation about grief and faith and gratitude. After all, they know a little bit about what they talk about. At the beginning, you heard that choke from Anderson Cooper when he asked, you went on to say the punishments of God are not gifts. Do you really believe that? That little choke you heard in the video is real. Cooper had recently lost his mother weeks before this interview, but it also wasn't his first experience with hardship. Cooper's father died unexpectedly when he was 10 with complications from heart surgery. His brother died by suicide when he was only 21. The emotion was real. And when Stephen Colbert sheepishly says, yes, it isn't just that a slippery comedian has finally been caught into a a conversation more fit for drama than late night. It was a yes born of the deepest, hardest one wisdom. Stephen Colbert is the youngest of 11 children from a devout Catholic family. And when he was 10, his father and the two brothers right ahead of him in birth order died in an airplane crash. Their deaths rocked him, changed everything. His family had to move. It led him away from and then back again to his Christianity. It seems to be his life's work to learn or to realize that love for the thing he wished most had not happened to realize and learn how to be grateful for life, for all of it, meant taking the whole story for what it is and continuing on with gratitude. This emotional conversation about some of the deepest pains is a good place for us to begin with today's scripture from Romans. Romans is not the easiest book of the Bible to read, all right? Let's just uh, throw that one out there. Uh, It is not the easiest book of the Bible to preach from either. Part of that is because it's all one big argument by Paul, and it's also one very um, every Paul is an amazing writer, and every bit of his good writerly self is, comes to the forefront in Romans. It almost reads like an undergraduate term paper. And of course, that's part of Paul's relationship with the church in Rome, which is to say, 
He doesn't know them, not really. It's not a church he founded. He's never even been there. But he is trying to make sure they know he knows what he's talking about to impress upon them that he does know this faith, that he's a good Christian teacher. Because also, could they please send a check so he could go to Spain on another missionary journey? He really needs their financial support. It helps us to know why this very highfalutin letter comes into existence in the first place. He wants them to know he does know what he's talking about, even if that means he loses us from time to time in the process. This section of that letter is where Paul makes a big turn in the argument that the, pa- the God of the past is the God active in Jesus, that thing, you know, that happened 30, 20-some years ago, is the same God that is with us now. One God throughout all of time. Then that God of, who acted in the past acted once and for all, and the God who was faithful in the past was faithful once and for all, and the God who reckoned faith as righteousness for Abraham will do the same for us. That once and for all God, which is where today's passage comes to, gives us peace. Because through Christ, we proclaim we have been justified by faith. Justified is a fancy word for made right. We have been made right by faith. If you're thinking, I don't understand this any better than when he started, don't worry. That's how I often feel when I'm reading Romans. But let me underscore, that's the good news, friends. That's the important thing to note. For Paul, Jesus died for us while we were still sinners. It wasn't that we deserved Jesus' sacrificial love. It isn't a testament of how good we are. It only points to how good Jesus is. And then God raised Jesus. It isn't just that Jesus died, but that Jesus was raised. And that is evidence of God's faithfulness. So we have peace because God acted through Jesus to give all of us new life. Once and for all, it's done. When we realize that, we are bold. Which is why Paul can almost sound ecstatic in this letter that that Piper so beautifully read, going on about how suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, you know. We have hope. We have hope from that thing we wish never happened. But that hope will not disappoint us. What does Paul want us to do with all of this hope? To boast. Which is why sometimes people don't really like Paul very much. He thinks he's a bit of a braggart, but this is something worth bragging about. More literally, he wants us to hold our heads up high. As you know, we're in the midst of our final installment of our, or excuse me, we're in the first installment of our recurring miniseries, Faithful, hopeful, loving about how we build generous lives. 
It isn't only the church in Rome that Paul calls to be generous, it's you and me too. Even the face of suffering and hardship and doubt, which is not always easy. And I have to admit, I get uneasy when I talk through this text and ones like it. Because the church, and especially preachers, far too often dismiss suffering, write it off, fail to address it. There are too many stories to count in the history of the American church especially, which is our church, and I'm not just calling us out, I'm just highlighting who we are. Stories of domestic violence, or racism, or sexism, or addiction, Stories of when someone speaks up, tells their church, tells their pastor about some deep suffering in their life, and the answer sounds something like, well, pray through it. Just endure it. Or when someone is enduring more than they can bear, and it feels like they are falling under the weight of it, well, let's pray for you to have a better attitude, better character through this. Or when their character is cracking under all of the things that they are having to hold, the whole world, it feels like, they come and what they find are hymns that sing of a, of a schmaltzy, saccharine hope in the sweet by and by. So when given as advice, this hold your head up high can so often turn to be something, something like abuse from the church or from preachers. So insofar as I can, I want to split a very important hair this morning. I don't think Paul wants us to respond to suffering with Christian indifference. I don't think Paul wants us to just let people go hungry or to let senseless violence or war continue or for racism to run our check or any of the injustices we might think about all so that we can just get our little diamond out of the ash heap. But holding our head as a high as a church in those situations might mean something a little different because we remember the confidence and hope God's love has for us poured out in us by the Holy Spirit. We can be generous with our efforts to love this world too. We can be freed from trying to earn God's favor and instead follow God's likeness and break the chains of death, and to give light to shadowy corners, and remind the suffering of the world that God's presence cannot be turned away, even by the most malicious hatred. But to the individual, and those one-on-ones, to us as people, which means we will undergo suffering, That wisdom of Stephen Colbert and of Paul is helpful for us again because suffering does happen one way or another. There's never enough time with our loved ones. There's never enough time for us to finish the projects of our life. There is tragedy and violence and injustice. It doesn't make it right. It just is. But on the other side of that suffering moment, Some of us have found that you just still might be grateful for life anyway. And that what we so often call the punishments of ordinary living can look like gifts one day. And if you find yourself in that boat, it's okay if you don't feel guilty about it. 
It's okay if you even feel grateful from time to time, even if you could change the suffering, which you would if you could. But those realizations of gratitude, even about suffering, get us closer to the experience of God. That same God who loved us so much that God suffered with us, suffered by our own human hands, and yet still calls us friends. Even when we were acting like enemies, even when we were enemies, Jesus died for friends. And Christ was raised for us too. And perhaps like Mr. Colbert, like the Apostle Paul, like even myself from time to time, you may come to a place in your life where unexpected gratitude accompanies even the hardest moments. And I think Paul might say something like, hold on to it. And and tilt your chin up just a little bit. Because you've found a hope that will not disappoint you. You might even be so bold as to boast, not out of pride, but out of hope. That the God who brought you this far, who has not abandoned you and who will not abandon you, is still present to you. You might even be so bold as to boast in the God who still saves us. To live a generous life, my friends, just might ask that you pass on stories when you have survived and endured and have been saved. Not because the things you experienced are now suddenly worth it, Not because you needed them so you had a good testimony to share. But it just might be that a generous life asks you to pass on the hope that found you in an unlikely place. And if you have it, when you have it, your gratitude just might help someone else move through their grief and through their suffering. And of the many things we can give, it just might be that one of the most generous things we can share is our story with another human life. The very story of our lives. The love of God that has been poured out by the Holy Spirit, we can pour out again through love. Amen. Amen.